0: We are back with another episode of Black on the Scene. I'm your host, Dee Dee Brown, and I'm here with my guy, John Gist, and we are absolutely thrilled about today's guest, Mr. Sean Finney. Sean is the Executive Vice President of Member Relations and Awards at the Academy of Motion Picture. Arts and Science, where he leads engagement and outreach initiatives for the organization's global membership of more than 10,000 artists, filmmakers, and executives, as well as overseeing the Academy Awards process for submissions, ruling, and voting. Sean is a public speaker and musician that has collaborated with multiple organizations companies, communities, TV outlets, and leaders to share personal experience and initiate action-oriented conversations surrounding mental health and dealing with adversity. He is committed to ensuring that the solid representation of diverse voices and backgrounds are not only included, engaged,
1: but more importantly, activated. Wow, Dee, Dee! wow. Sean is a dear friend of mine and I'm so thrilled to have him on the show. Sean is someone who is warm, greets you with a captivating smile every time we cross paths and always gives me a word of encouragement that seems to arrive at the right time every time we see each other. He's just a bright light of positivity. But before we dive into the interview, I wanted to share a few of my favorite Sean quotes he's posted across his social channels that I've, that I've personally connected with and have stayed with me. The first Joy is something that you deserve to feel. Mm. And second, it is completely up to you to believe in something bigger than they can see. Sean, thank you for what you do, what you continue to do, and just for being you, your true authentic self. It's so refreshing to see you shine the way that you have, and I truly love it. Welcome to Black on the Scene, Sean.
0: Welcome, 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 welcome.
1: <laughs> first of all, Dee, that intro was
2: spot on. Thank you so much. And first of all, thank you all for having me. Thank you for creating a space for us to be able to come and have conversation to build community for healing. I am honored, excited, thrilled to be here. John, you know, I love you. Thank you so much. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: We, well, we are more, we are so happy. We're thrilled. I think Didi and I have been, we've been prepping and, and getting ready for this interview. So we are so happy to dive in. But before we jump into uh, our first question, I, I want to just ask you right now, Sean, what are you thankful for today in this very moment right now?
2: mm, mm. I'm thankful for the moment, honestly. I'm thankful for the air in my lungs. There's so much happening in the world, in our country, outside of our country, in our communities. Um, with COVID, this global pandemic that we've been in, I'm, I'm grateful for a sound mind, a gentle heart. I'm grateful to just be here. And I'm grateful for all of the experiences that have brought me to this very moment today.
1: In true Sean Finney fashion, I knew you were gonna give a word, so thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I have known you Sean for quite some time but for our listeners I want to take a journey back to the beginning of, of who you are and, and how what your journey looked like to get to where you are if you didn't hear listeners EVP he is an executive and so Sean but I want to talk about like your your upbringing who, who you were as a young as a young child and kind of how you started to get into the entertainment space
2: yeah um thank you who I was as a young child is who I am now still I'm proud to say that a dreamer, somebody who believes in things that I can't see. Um, I'm a military kid. So my dad was in the military, my mom was a nurse. So service and structure has always been a huge part of my life. And um, as a child, I've always wanted to just express myself, not even sure exactly how or what that looks like, because you start to unpack that as you start to grow, right? And then it starts to form its own. Um, music is always near and dear to my heart. Singing and songwriting has been everything that I've always wanted to do. Came to LA to be able to do that, got here within a few months, got offered a record contract. I was like, I made it, everything is good. Tell me, read the contract. And it was basically like I had no creative control, had two different attorneys look over it. Um, That was my first experience really here in LA. And in the way that God in the universe shows up, um, I was staying with someone who I was paying rent to, they weren't paying rent with the money that I was giving them, got evicted. The next day, my 1998 Toyota camera showed up was the same day that I said no to the contract. And if you know what that's like, right, when you've worked 10 plus years to be seen and recognized for your art, to be seen and recognized for what it is that you feel as though represents you at your most. And then you get an opportunity to do it. You're like, of course, but then to say no, um, because it didn't feel right, because it wasn't right. I had to rely on something bigger than myself. And so being here in Los Angeles, was very interesting, especially living in my car (laughs) for a couple of months. But I was like, you know what, I want to get a job. If I get a job, I want to be smart about it. I think that what they don't really teach us is that you can go for the highest of the high at the lowest of your lowest. And I think that sometimes we don't even think about the things that we could attain when we're in the space of what is perceived as a struggle, but it's a lesson for you to be able to unpack who you really are. And because I feel like there's one thing to get there, it's another thing to stay there. So all the lessons that culminated where I thought was a problem was also preparing me for something greater. I went to a temp agency, the temp agency set me up that, like we got some place for you to work. Um, it's for <laughs> it's for a woman, she is a visionary in this industry. Now, I was like, it's Oprah. It's got to be Oprah. It's got to be Oprah. They were like, it's not Oprah. It's uh, <laughs> the CEO at the Academy Motion Pictures. Fast forward, they had a couple of resumes. I was one of the people that went to go interview. I got the job. I started as a temp assistant. I was number three. I had been there for uh, maybe about like two years. Then I became number one. The other two people left. And it's been a journey ever since really starting there at the Academy of Motion Pictures as a temp assistant living in my car for like four months.
0: Sean. I mean, my head just blew off. First of all, I am also the daughter of a military vet and a nurse. And I was like, is this my long lost brother? I could be. I could be. (laughs) Hold on. Are your people from Alabama? (laughs) But seriously, when you talk about this dream that you had for yourself and, 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 and work toward and moving to LA from, I don't, we didn't get from where New New York, moving across country, shipping your car, just all the things that are going on in your head are, and how long ago was this?
2: Eight years ago.
0: Wow. That is such a short time. So talk to me Not just about the skills that obvious, I mean, the faith that you had, but what are some of the skills that you used maybe from being a creative, a musician, a performer that you put into this job that has gotten you from temp to EVP?
2: Mm -hmm. I think there's so many skills, some skills I'm still learning um, and that I'm sharpening because I want to always continue to be a student and always learn. But I think number one, that who I am is enough. That's a skill that we don't think about, uh, but it is a skill. It's a skill to show up in a room and be yourself and to believe in that wholeheartedly. Now we all struggle, right? We all have days where we're mentally just like not completely there. But one of my skills is being able to show up as myself in a way that's not unapologetically out of arrogance, but that's me honoring myself, right? Um, I think flexibility. I think that we don't talk about flexibility when it's about going after your dreams or when it's about becoming, right? We just talk about being, but you have to be flexible in the process because things are going to hit you at so many different ways. And it's going to feel like those things are hitting you to get you off track, but those things are really set in motion for you to get closer to who you truly are and to release all the things you thought you needed to be along the way. And so for me, the skills has been me being myself, me reminding myself that that's enough. And service, we don't talk about service. And I don't know if we don't talk about service because we've had to survive. So service is like you have enough to give in abundance, right? And so we often feel as people, as communities of color, we often don't feel like we have an abundance because we've been taught to survive. But I've leaned into service which has reminded me that I have enough to give. And when you have enough to give and when you're putting yourself in that position, not only are you building the trust of everybody else around you, but you're able to show up in a true authentic way where people connect to you, not for what you can get, but for what you can offer. And inevitably because of the way the universe works, you will receive.
1: John, I I mean, good gosh. I love all that you're saying. Like it is, I, I knew that this conversation was going to be a, a a very impactful one for me. But I want to go back to something you said earlier. And I don't think I necessarily knew this about you living in your car for a certain period of time. Um, you said four months, I believe. Yeah. And um I want to unpack that a little bit because I didn't yeah. know that. And yeah. if, if you're if you're comfortable going there, like. Talk about what that experience was like, like, and then what kept you going? Like, what was the <laughs> motivation behind that? Because I would imagine that's complete, you're in a brand new city, you know, you're figuring out this job thing and then you're like, you know, living in your car for yeah. a period of time. Like, what does that, what does that feel like? What,
0: and, that- and, and please include some of the hacks, right? So you're having, a, I'm showering, I'm getting, how am I eating? Yeah. Like that yeah. is just so, and what are your folks thinking? Let us know.
2: So first and foremost, I have real parents. So my parents would have come and dragged me back to the East Coast. So my parents did not know, my best friend knew. My best friend would send me Western Union money. Now we got Cash App. But then my best friend would send me Western Union money, uh, $75 a week, just to make sure that I had the things that I needed. I uh, packed all of my stuff in my car, in my trunk. And the trunk was also my clothes, obviously like my sleeping stuff. So I would figure out what streets I could sleep on in Los Angeles, you know, I also had an opportunity to be able to get to know Los Angeles a bit because I was a citizen of the world at that point. So I'm like, I'm going to go to Venice and sleep by the beach, you know, Um, and not on the beach, but sleep by the water, right? I would shower and shave um, at the gym. So I had an LA Fitness membership that was actually my brother's. Sorry, LA Fitness. It was actually my brother's membership, and that's where I would a. I focused on working out. I focused on getting myself physically together because mentally I needed to be able to keep that part together as well, right? Um, eating was very difficult because you're, you don't have microwave, you know, and you, you try not to eat junk that often. But honestly, sleeping around the city in my car, um, going to the gym to shower, using that as an opportunity to not looking at what I didn't have, but looking at what I did have, as you know, Los Angeles has a really big homeless population. So it, not that I needed to be humbled, But it also just gives you perspective. And so I'm driving past somebody who's on the corner asking for money and they're coming to my window asking me for money at the red light, but they don't even know that I'm living in my car, right? And so you never know what someone else is going through. You just see somebody drive by and think that you know them. You see somebody in the store wearing whatever you think they're wearing and you think that you know them and you don't. And so for me, it was really about perspective um, and about understanding that there was a lot I didn't have, but there was so much I did have. I had a roof over my head which was my car you know I was safe in terms of being able to have a space where that was my own but it was difficult you know but for some reason and I can't explain it still John and Didi to this day when I had nothing I felt like I had everything and I think it was maybe because I didn't have anything right and so I just I just made a decision that I was gonna stay. I didn't know how, what, where, when, or why. But once I made the decision, I just knew that I couldn't actually physically be in that space and mentally be in that space. So mentally, I couldn't allow myself to just be like, I'm in my car, I'm a failure, I'm this, I'm that, right? Um, I had to, to reprogram what I thought success looked like. And I had to reprogram this idea that This is also part of my journey and though it's not making sense to me now, though, ultimately i'm really confused, this is ultimately something that's going to position me mentally spiritually and emotionally to be able to sustain whatever God in the universe ultimately has for me.
0: Let me tell you something Sean I have been boohooing. On all of our episodes, but it usually comes toward the end. <laughs> you got me in the first daggum 20, I'm sorry, 15 minutes trying not to boohoo.
1: True story. I'm over here tearing up too. Like, <laughs> it, I, I, I'm, I'm lost for words, honestly. Like, that's such a, you said so much in that.
0: I would like to know, you have this ability to, to be, to show gratitude. And this has to be the work of your parents too and your upbringing. Who are your parents? Where did they get the sense of gratitude from? Are they uh, deeply you know, religious, spiritual? Talk to us about that upbringing that gave you the, the bones and the, the, the fortitude really to just know, I'm okay. I'm better than okay.
2: Mm. Wow, my parents, I mean, this is gonna make me choke up. I mean, honestly, and then everybody says that their parents are incredible and exceptional. I think that my parents have in their own unique ways, individually and collectively, always poured, over poured into me. Um, Growing up, I just had a lot of, um, you know, as kids, you, you start to, am I enough? Am I this? Am I that? So insecurity plagued, depression plagued, but my mom being who she is and as rooted as she is, she is a Christian. Um, And she has always been rooted in believing in something bigger. My dad is actually Muslim. So growing up, I went to the temple. I also went to church. So as a young child, I understood that there was not that there's more than one God, but you are your own church, whether it's a temple, whether it's the church, whether it's God, whether it's Allah, you individually are your own pillar of what that is. And so that in and of itself really allowed me to look at the world very differently, but also allowed me to truly understand that there is multiple layers to this beautiful thing called life. And the bad part is only in preparation for something bigger and better later. Um, so, but in my mom's growing up in her in her orbit and growing from my father's orbit, service has always been at the forefront. I remember coming home and I'm like, mom, whose child is that? in the living room. Well, this woman at work, she can't, she's not financially stable and able to take care. So we're, this is your God brother. This is your God sister. And I'm like, well, who, where are they gonna sleep? You know, so I have grown up, I remember, taking road trips with my dad and, you know, you know, you're in the back of the car sleeping because your dad and mom are driving and waking up and I'm we're on the side of the road and I'm like, where are we? And my dad is fixing somebody's car, you know? And so I've always grown up seeing service in multiple levels and layers, but I've also grown up seeing that to give, to give when you don't think you have it, to give.
1: I, you know, it's so funny when you're saying that, Sean, is like, I just think back to my childhood growing up and, you know, I grew up in the South. Um, My parents were not, well, my dad was, he was in the military, but he was retired by the time I was born. But I just remember very much so, I always thought they were very strict. There was a very much routine to my life. Jonathan had to bring in good grades all the time. And then as I started getting older and older and started just kind of developing who I was, I remember like. Thinking like I knew I I knew I wanted to do something in the arts and entertainment. Right, I didn't know what that looked like exactly, but I was like, I want to make movies like Spike Lee. Like, you know, do I really want to direct? No, not at all. But like, I just saw the kind of um, what I thought was beautiful, and I saw the art, and I wanted to have my hand in that. And I remember my parents were like, No, you don't want to. You can't do that. You don't want to do that. You're not going to be able to be successful. And not because of they didn't believe in me just because they had never seen it done before. Right. And so I always remember back when um, I went to college and I started to like intern and things like that. And my career started to like just blossom a little bit more. Um, And they were like, Oh, wow, you're, you're really, you're really doing this. You're really, you know, living out what we thought you couldn't do. I'm so sorry for that. And I just remember like thinking back to that, like I was like, I'm not mad at you mom and dad about that. I'm just more so, I'm glad I'm able to show you guys a different light of it all and to show you guys who I who I really am. And this is what I really wanted to do. So my question for you, um, Sean, is like living throughout your journey, throughout your, your childhood, you just being yourself, being your authentic self was always top of mind for you and just bringing your true self to everything that you, you've always wanted to do. But have you ever had those moments where you had to kind of pull back and, and not necessarily show who you are? And not necessarily like maybe hide something or or pull back on something else like that before. Have you ever had those instances where that occurred?
2: Yeah. Um, first, John, I want to tap onto something that you said because this is what I was trying to explain when we were talking about service and when we were talking about survival. And so a lot of our parents, you know, regardless of their age, they're we're not that far from where we were 400 years ago. We're not that far from the 60s, we're not that far from oppression. Some say that there's a lot of pressure happening still right now we're not that far from 2020 where we're seeing our innocent black women and black men being killed on the street on camera in front of all of us, and so I think that a lot of our parents, to your point. it's their own fear, because they haven't we haven't really been seen that we could have the 40 acres right we've been seeing that we can work on the farm. And I think that we've had to this generation is so interesting because we are like that catalyst to really understanding that like we can be more than what has come before us and thankful for everyone that came before us because we are living off of on their shoulders right. Um, But to your point I think for even your parents it, it to for them to think of service. And volunteering and interning, it's like, you don't even have enough to be able to do that. And it's like, no, we have to shift our mindset. Um, So I just wanted to say that, that that's what I was trying to explain between surveys. No, totally. Uh, But to answer your question, I think, yeah, I mean, we all go through that. You know, depression is something that had plagued me for a long time. You know, we all want to fit in. We all want to belong. And I think as a child and as a young man and as a young person, you know, you're constantly wanting to be validated by something. And so I've definitely had those moments where I'm like, am I enough? You know, we still have those moments now I had the moment when I was when we were talking about getting into this position because I was like, can I actually do this, you know, and so we constantly have that and I think those are the things that make us human, but I think. Are we doing the work required to be able to rise above the thing that we think we can't do mentally right because it's it's a level and so, for me. People like level up, level up, and they think that's driving a new car leveling up is believing in myself wholly spiritually emotionally and physically leveling up for me is believing that I who I am with what I don't have is enough. So leveling up for me has changed in what I thought that that idea was, and what success is, because I think what happens is we don't talk enough about unlearning. We have to unlearn the chains and barriers and blocks and things that were told and taught to us. So yes, I have definitely had those moments and still have those moments where you're thinking like, can I be my full self? Am I allowed to be my full self? But when I think about what is the closest thing to honoring me, my God, because we are our own personal church. We are our own personal testimony. It is me being myself because if I'm not doing that, I'm doing a disservice to anybody who experiences me because it's not me you're
1: experiencing. It's my fear. Dee Dee and I truly hope that you are enjoying this episode of Black on the Scene, but we're interrupting this episode just for a quick second to ask a favor. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating after the show. And now we return to Black on the Scene. Enjoy.
0: Well, Sean, talk to us about maybe what you had to unlearn To level up in this position where you might have felt the, you know, people talk a lot about the imposter syndrome. um, and, And what did you have to do maybe tangibly in terms of, did you take any courses? Were you reading any books? Were you on YouTube, like researching executive vice president? Like, what were you doing as you're making your way up the proverbial, you know, career ladder at the company? And also just being yourself. That's mm-hmm. an interesting duality, right? What are yeah. you unlearning? Yeah, just t- tell us everything.
2: I mean, I think number one, you just got to be open to learning. You know. So there's unlearning, yes. Yeah, so unlearning the fears, the doubts, the things that you have silently agreed with that is really somebody else's insecurity that you picked up one day. So unlearning all of those things, but also opening yourself up to learn and ask questions. How can I be better here, right? anybody that I work with always knows that I'm always asking the questions and I'm quick to say what I know and what I don't know and not because I need to be seen any specific way because I'm going to be myself and part of me being myself is admitting when I need help I think for me leadership is very different I've been at the organization about eight years starting as a temp assistant having about four or five different positions I've had the privilege and honor of seeing the organization from different vantage points so I've had a very unique journey there but I think that what I've had to really unlearn was this idea that I don't have to be the executive that the world thinks I have to be, I have to be the executive that I feel called to be. And what, am I, what is my mission here? you know, what do I want to leave better? And what do I want to do while I'm here? And because that's my own personal mission, that's going to be very different from anybody else that came before me. I think when we're looking at certain positions at certain companies, we think that, oh, that means I have to come in in a suit and tie. And I need to, I need to make sure that I am not, you know, uh, you know, too, too funny or too this or too that. I'm like, no, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be me fully because that is exactly what got me here. And so for me, I think I had to unlearn that I have to be someone else to achieve success, that I can bring success to me if I'm working on it, if I'm working towards it, if I'm open to learning and I can be in this position my own way. Right. And so how many presidents have we had, right? Every president is different. It's the same position, but you, you're walking into it differently. You have different ideas, different agendas. So for me, I have taken the pressure off of myself to be anyone else except for myself, because at this point in the 94 years, there has never been another black man in the position I left, let alone the position that I just got into. So with that alone means that I must have been doing something right. Not that I'm the best, not that I have it all together, but I have done enough to get to this point. And so if that is the case, then I can take I deserve to take the pressure off of myself that I'm not enough.
1: Well, again, congratulations on this uh, this EVP member relations and awards at the academy. I mean, that's a huge role, and I'm I'm so happy for you. And it, I think it's also such a beautiful narrative to show your just your journey within the company over eight years how it's literally led up to you being this, this top executive there. But I wanted to shine a light on that role, your role there and really unpack you know, the change that you are a part of, the change that you are initiating at the academy. Can we just shine a, a light on that and what you've been doing, what you've been do, um, doing within the company?
2: Yeah. And so my, I've been in this role officially eight or nine weeks. So a few things will be announced in a couple of months. Um, But I think the change is really the change that the Academy has been making for the last, you know, couple of years anyway, is just diving more into representation, diving more into obviously the story of the art of filmmaking, but also just the art of humanity. Because at the end of the day, whether you're a writer, producer, executive, whether you are a hair and makeup, you're a person first, right? 2020, the global pandemic happened to all of us. It did not happen to people who are working in their craft, right? And so with the role, I'm just continuing on being able to expand upon the initiatives of representation. For me, that is key, number one. Figuring out different ways in how we can implement processes. We have a 94-year-old organization and we're at a different interesting time in our industry, right? So I'm solely focused on also on how are we navigating in the industry 364 days out of the year? Everyone knows the Oscars. Do they know what the Academy does? Are they are they familiar with our education? Are they familiar with our museum that we're building? Are they familiar with the rules, with the processes, with the initiatives that we're doing? How are the members being activated? How are we engaging with them? How are we partnering with our members so that it's not just the academy story? It is the story of the member in the academy coming together. How do we really leverage partnerships and relationships in a real way? And how do we authentically connect not only to the filmmakers and the people who love film, but to humanity globally? So those are some of the things that I'm working on. A few of them will be released more later, but in terms of the membership, I'm just honored, honestly, and and I'm so grateful and thankful. And I also know that I've been working for this. I've been been working really hard. I didn't anticipate, I didn't think this would even happen because that wasn't on my, I wasn't doing it for that. I was doing it because it needed to be done. And that's what I mean about the idea of service. Um, Some people think that service means free, No, you can work and be of service. Um, Service is putting something above what you individually think it should be for the greater good of the collective. And that's not something that we're often taught. Because again, we're in survival and not in the mode of service.
0: Well, Sean, I've got a couple of questions. And at this point, John and I are usually fighting over who gets to ask the last few questions. But I'm pulling rank because I'm the senior member here. Are there any, you discovered this job really through, I mean, I say discovered, but you really were in the right place at the right time, obviously channeling the right thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so for anyone who's looking to, anyone in our community, who's looking to maybe get into the entertainment industry, the film industry, maybe do what you're doing, any tips, tangible advice, books that you've read, apps that you are using, anything that would just, aside from being of service, being humble, being yourself, but is there anything else tangible that you would recommend for them to do as TV and studio uh, executives? So... Give us those tips too.
2: (laughs) I think, um, you know, it's so interesting because everybody has their own unique journey into uh, what they're called to do. But I would say, first of all, ask bigger questions. I ask bigger questions all the time. And I ask bigger questions to God, to Allah, to the universe. And I'm like, what am I here to do? What value can I add? What is the calling, the downloading and the unfolding of my life? And I ask those questions throughout the day. I talk to myself a lot. I tell myself, I love you, Sean, throughout the day because sometimes I need to hear it and I need to hear it from me, not from anybody else. Um, I would say make sure that be of service, figure out how you can add value, but figure out how what excites you connects to the mission or the initiative of something else and do it for something other than yourself. So it's almost like that idea of like work towards it and then release it. Because I think that sometimes we have this idea of what we want to do or a position or a company, and we are so locked on it happening one way. I want to get at this company and I can only get at this company if I apply on this email address, right? And it's like, open yourself up to new things happening in your life in a new way and believe enough in the things that you can't see while also mirroring that with the work And here's the thing about the work. Don't work yourself to death, right? Take a break. Take a rest. We're taught, again, survival to just go, to go, to go, to go. No, sit down. Sit down. Put your phone down. What are you thinking? How are you feeling? What are you wanting to do? And then when you walk out in the world, believe that who you are with what you have and don't have is enough to attract that thing to you and be a good person. Don't be the person that everybody uses, don't be the person that you never, you end up shortchanging yourself and everybody around you, but be a person who you would be proud of 10 years from now, always, because I think what happens is we get in these positions, you get these titles and you forget what it was like to be that assistant living in your car. I will never forget that. I will never ever forget that feeling of being in that car. You know what I'm saying? And I speak to the assistants the same way I speak to the janitors. I speak to the janitor the same way I speak to the CEO, to the same way that I speak to the person asking me for money on the street. Um, That was probably a lot more than what you were were asking for. And in terms of the membership side, there are 17 different branches and two categories in the academy. And so there's so many different ways to be able to apply, but basically there are three ways to get into the academy. There is being sponsored by two members of your branch, there's being nominated or won you are considered and or you are committee considered so the each branch has an executive committee that they vote so when Didi's name comes up it's it's the committee around the room and they're like oh my god I've worked with with Didi yeah I know her too she's been great she's this or whatever and so there's the three different ways to get in and then understand what it is you want to be a part of and what you can add Because we all wanna be a part of things. They want the Soho House membership. They want this membership. They want that thing, but sometimes it's just to have it. Just having it is not enough because I can guarantee you a week from now, it's not gonna mean anything to you. Challenge yourself to ask yourself at any given point, what can I add? Because when you ask yourself, what can I add? You are instinctually saying, I have enough
1: to give. I told him okay, to cry again. He, I told you he's, <laughs> he's, he's going to enlighten everyone, which he has. Sean, I need—I want to get your advice. This is more some, some personal advice too, because I know you have a great answer for it. Um, and I'm going to be selfishly putting it on me for a moment, but obviously we're in this COVID world. We work in the entertainment business. And there's just noise all around. There's this fast paced environment, meeting after meeting, you know, deliverable after deliverable. It just never ends, right? And that's kind of what we signed up for to a degree. But what do you do to protect your, your mental health and your mental sanity around all of this? Are there any like tangible things that you just practice and do that can help myself and others out there? Um, just kind of just making sure that kind of cutting off the noise a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm. Number one, I... I, I do, I'm learning the beautiful impact of being able to say no and not having to explain why. I think that sometimes we feel guilty for saying no. And we say no sometimes because I just want to be on this couch, watching TV or scrolling through Instagram. And we feel the need to have to explain, well, I'm saying no because I have a prior engagement. It's just a no, and it's not a no, a rude no. And so, me creating barriers and boundaries allowed me to be able to create a place where I can pour into myself and honor myself. I stop honoring myself when I spread myself too thin. And naturally, because again, we come from a place of survival, we gotta do everything and we gotta do it right now. And we gotta send this report in early because we have to work 10 times harder than that person. And we already have people because we have, we're at these positions and we haven't been here 20 years. I've been here eight years right? And so some people have been at different places 20 and 25 years. And so they think you got it. And it's like, no, I'm going to work at a pace that's great for me, but I'm also going to create barriers and boundaries for myself because in order for me to be the person you need me to be, I have to be somebody for myself first. Um, Creating healthy routines. You know, I get up at five or six in the morning to go to the gym. Yes, I like working out, but it's more or less for the simple fact that it's like I have to make sure that I have the time to myself, not rushed. I'm not um, sharing that time. It is my time. And so my time is also protecting that when it's like because, you know, you're balancing out your friends, your family, who you're dating, work, the meetings. And it's like sometimes I'm like, I actually just can't make it. And so creating those boundaries, saying no and not having to explain why. Asking myself bigger questions y'all think i'm joking I talk to myself all the time I tell myself I love you you're doing a good job. How are you. Are you okay. Because we just go you go through a breakup you go through something happening in your family a death and you're just like next meeting gotta jump on this plane, how are you. Are you all right. How's your heart. so i talk to myself you asked me before dd about what do i read i mean there are so many different books that i read all the time but like the alchemist i'm reading the celestial prophecy right now the four agreements um there are so many different things that i'm always listening to um, to just be able to keep my mind going my best friend marlon is always like okay you're listening to a self-help thing again and it's like no i just love exploring the multifaceted idea of our brains And what we think and what we believe in and so for me john it's a lot of removing the ideas of what success looks like to other people me being so busy that i don't have enough time to meditate is not success for me me being so busy that i am drained and i physically can't or don't have enough energy to clean my house that's not success to me so creating what success looks like to me, creating those barriers and boundaries, asking myself bigger questions, creating and making time for myself, and saying no without explaining.
0: Sean.
1: Sean. John. <laughs>
0: <laughs> John and I literally like again. I wish we were doing video this season so people could just see the looks see on our faces. Like John, <laughs> I'm not in John's face. Like... <laughs> this has been literally. I've read all the books that you're talking about, and and so it's no surprise to me that you are a consumer, and also um, you you're practicing what you're 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 preaching here. Um, so it's no surprise to me that this is the amazing and thoughtful and. Authentic energy that you are putting forward. And in taking care of ourselves, we can take care of others better. It's save yourself first, and then you can save others. And I have just enjoyed the Church of Sean Finney on Black on the Scene. And before we wrap, we always ask our guests this question This platform, this community is about representation. Representation matters. We're doing a good job, but we need more of it. That is, I see your life's work. What has Black entertainment, from you being a performer to now you, to you working more on the business side, what has Black entertainment Given you, we want we always ask our guests to share their love letter to black entertainment and what it did and how it lit you up and inspired the fabulous Sean Finney.
2: I mean, I think the question would be is what has black entertainment not done? Black entertainment has given us culture, community, reflection, mirror, substance, a gift. Black entertainment has, isn't even Black entertainment. It's actually just entertainment. Black entertainment is not only Black stories, it's the world stories. Our stories have never not been important. Our stories have never not been top of mind. Our stories were actually so important that they were tried to suppress the stories, tried to dismantle families. So I think my love letter to Black entertainment is... That time, that blip that we thought that black entertainment wasn't enough. It wasn't, it was more. It will always be more. It will always overflow. It will always continue. It will always expand. It will always challenge status quo. And more than anything, it will always be representative of not only black stories, but the world stories.
1: Son, Finney, my friend, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for all your gems, all your insights, all your personal stories, the journey, everything. We appreciate you. And we're so happy we were able to get you on Black on the Scene. Didi and I, again, the last few conversations we've had have been filled with so much just aha moments, tears of joy. Just We, we have our little recap conversations afterwards and we like dissect everything. And this is going to be one of them once again. Didier, Didi's crying right now, wiping away the tears. So Sean, we thank you so much for, for joining us. And this is such a magical episode once again. Didier, Sean.
2: Sean, thank you both for creating a space that is representative of not only our communities, but communities like ours. Thank you for shining a light. Thank you for being bold enough to create this space and Black on the Scene for the community, for the listeners, if I leave you with anything, anything, it is that you are enough. You have been enough. You have never not been enough. You have so much to give. You have so much to do. And if you believe enough in yourself, what you would do is not only change your world, but you would change the world. So thank you for allowing me to come here. And I will be here any and every time that you want me to be, except for award season, because it gets a little crazy busy, but outside that, I will be here at any capacity that I potentially can. And I'm, I'm, I'm a fan, so thank you.
0: Sean, we love you. We thank you. We see you.
1: Mm. Sean Finney is the truth. He brought so much honesty, rawness, and compassion to this episode of Black on the Scene. Wow, that's all I have to say. He is a man that has truly embraced this journey and appreciates all the ups and downs that life has given him
0: yes john and i love that he spoke about simply being able to say no and not having to give an explanation because it's okay to do that we just have to set boundaries for ourselves in both our professional and personal lives thank you so much to sean for bringing your authentic self to black on the scene and we thank you all for listening please remember to share your love letter in the comments and subscribe, leave us a rating and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Black on the Scene. That's B-L-K on the S-C-E-N-E. Until next time.